You're listening to the Chicago Audible Podcast, changing up the way Bears fans stay up to date on their favorite team since 2015. Now get ready. Because it's time to bear down. Welcome back, Bears fans, to another episode of the Chicago Audible. It's Saturday, August 8th. It's about 9.30 in the morning my time, which means it's time again for another recap of what occurred this week at Bears camp. Of course, I'm your host, Will DeWitt. Joined with me is my cup of coffee. And on top of that, I also have my co-host, Nicholas Moriano, here with me. Nick, as you know, I'm still working on waking up. I'm excited. have some breakfast planned to cook after the show. We're going to do some biscuits and gravy, which is one of my favorite weekend meals to kind of start my day. But before I do that, we need to discuss Chicago Bears football. But it's been exactly a week since we hopped on to talk. How have you been, man? Been pretty good since our last morning podcast. That's two in a row. We were saying, when was the last time we've done one of these? And here we are, two two weekends in a row that we're doing morning podcasts. Yeah, morning podcast. I think it worked out well last time. It's kind of a different mindset at this time of day compared to maybe... 12 hours from now in the evening time when the sun is setting. Uh, But, yeah, it's been a good week over here. Uh, I was talking to you, of course, football for my uh, middle school coaching gig continues to ramp up. Did some unofficial seven-on-seven just a couple days ago, and we hit a few passes, like I said, of like 15, 20 yards. And, Nick, it really didn't even hit me that we were doing that until I was, like, driving home. I'm like, you know, like I thought we were going to have two runs, one to the left, one to the right. Maybe a simple pass play was just some slants before we got to our first game here in a couple weeks. But just seeing that, I think I can add a little bit more to that and perhaps have some bigger plays up my sleeve by the time we play. I think the town is called or the school is called Linton. Learning a little bit more about some of the external schools not in Monroe County here for me in southern Indiana. But yeah, football's going well. I know you didn't ask, but I wanted to tell people because I'm excited about it. No, I'm really excited for you. I mean, what goes into, you know, the game playing, look, you're scouting the opponent, looking into these guys, and maybe it was exciting just to see those Bear completions from your team because we didn't see enough of them from the Bears offense this past season, so it was nice to actually see it in person. Oh, absolutely, and there's actually a listener of our show who's been around and a fan first for a while. His name's Kyle Montana, and he reached out to me because he coaches around here as well, middle school, and... He plays actually two of the middle schools in Bloomington, besides ours, but we share about four or five different opponents. So I was like, hey, depending how the schedule works, we may need to help each other with some scouting reports. So that was really cool to see just, again, we do this show, we have listeners around the world, but sometimes when you hear from the people kind of in your own backyard, it's just crazy how those worlds kind of can and did collide in this instance. But Nick, we have a lot to get to here today. Uh, We heard from Matt Nagy, we heard from all the Bears Coaching assistants were the vast majority of them, the coordinators, a few players as well, and uh, we also have another bear that decided to opt out, but luckily it's only one. So with that, are you ready to kind of jump into our week two Bears camp recap? Yeah, there's a lot to discuss, so let's get to it. All right, let's go ahead and just begin, I think, with that opt out real quick, because 
I do think that's one of the more important pieces of actual news because everything else is just coach speak and player speak. And this is something that actually happened that's going to impact the team. So safety Jordan Lucas, who the Bears signed from Kansas City this offseason, he has decided to opt out from the season. My biggest takeaway means that I must have been right on our safety show when I had DHC making the spot for the roster over Lucas, even though I believe if you go back, Nick, which I called you out on Twitter about this earlier this week, <laughs> that's why I want to bring it up, but I'm pretty sure it said I'll play devil's advocate and I'll be different, and that's why I went with DeAndre Houston Carson. Um, but I think this does come to a little bit of a surprise, not just someone opting out. We saw it happen with Eddie Goldman, but Jordan Lucas coming into Chicago, I think we had a hope that he would be at least a core special team guy, and now that's out of the window, at least here for the 2020 season. So I think that makes DeAndre Houston Carson's role a solidified and be just that much more important because he's. It's not easy being the one everyone counts on to keep the facility running, no matter the weather or supply chain hiccup. But we get you Raymond in Buffalo and Maria in Miami, Jules in Minneapolis and Stan in central Indiana, taking control of everything that's under your control. At Granger, we're here for you with experienced branch staff at over 250 locations so you get the product you're looking for. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Going to have to be the guy in terms of that special teams safety. He's not going to go in there and start. He's not going to be a primary backup, but he is someone who's been around the team now for, I think he's entering year four, year five. And he's someone that the Bears definitely will lean on to uh, be a core special teams player, like I mentioned. So, Nick, over to you. I know the impact for Jordan Lucas opting out may not have huge ramifications for the Bears, but it's going to impact the team somewhat. What are your thoughts? Yeah, so when I heard the news, I just, again, it's his personal decision, and anybody should be supportive of that decision, family first, and it's it's just a football, but... Um, it does put more, I think, weight on a DeAndre Houston Carson, like you were saying, Will, someone that will have to be relied on, and he does a fantastic job already on special teams, but now that is going to be amplified because you don't have that veteran presence of a, a Lucas now here who, again, just won a Super Bowl. So that I think remembering what we were talking about in that safeties episode, I thought that would be a great addition to his team, bringing somebody from a winning organization and bringing them to the Bears, and then trying to teach up these kind of guys, these other special teamers, what it's like to be a part of that group and know that you still play a huge role in this team. It's just not as seen as maybe as valuable as some of the bigger, you know, the more important roles. But it now it does fall on DeAndre Houston Carson. And look, he's been putting in the work, and now the Bears are slowly getting back to Hallis Hall. But he's been at Bears Fit multiple, multiple times now that I've seen him. Working with Deion Bush, those guys are putting in work, just getting that that exercise, that lift in. So they're establishing continuity among the other safeties, but I think he's going to be ready for it. He's been somebody that's been on this team now. This is his, is his fifth year. He's made it. I think there's been multiple times, Will, where I've counted him out. Like, I don't think DeAndre Houston Carson's making the roster. I don't think he's going to make the roster. I'll have someone else coming in above him that I think can contribute more. But he finds a way. And I think this time around, he'll also find a way to stick on and make this 53-man roster. Yeah, I don't think we should totally underestimate the importance of having someone. I think he played over 40, 45% special team snaps last year. So he is someone that is going to be a big part of the third phase. 
um, in all facets, whether we're punting, whether we're doing kickoff, kick return. He's going to be out there uh, the vast majority of the time. Now, maybe he was on more punt coverage last year, and the Bears were punting a lot, so that could be a reason why he had all those snaps. But still, uh, DeAndre Houston Carson, again, someone that you're not going to hear a lot of, but someone to keep in mind as Jordan Lucas decided to opt out. All right, other than that, Nick, I do believe as we get into our show here, starting with some of the NFL League news also makes a lot of sense because I know the up the practice squad allotment up to 16 players, which is six more than normal because it was a 10-man practice squad. Um, on top of that, those extra six, there's no season limit to those players. Usually there's a cap, whether someone has like three, I think it's three full or four full accured seasons in the NFL, you can't put them on your practice squad, but how it's written or how it looks to me, you can have a veteran who has seven, eight years of experience and you can put them on your practice squad, which is a whole different ball game compared to uh, previous seasons really ever in the NFL. And on top of that, you can protect up to four practice squad members each Tuesday. So Nick, I know you're looking into this and we talked about it a little bit earlier. So is that four practice squad members each Tuesday that you can protect? Is that kind of like putting a lock on them? So like, hey, you can't take these four guys, but the other 12, they're fair game. Is that how you're seeing this? That's that's how I was reading into it, Will. And I think, again, with not knowing what's going to happen throughout the season, it would be nice to have some kind of security on guys that you don't think are going to contribute right now. But you want to have on your team for later and having those practice squad members, those four players being secured or protected, I think is good for these developmental guys because a lot all these teams now – are probably not going to have as many of those guys that you would want to have on the roster. Yes, they raised up the practice squad members, which I think is good for some of these younger undrafted free agents, but it's nice knowing that you can secure some of these guys that you potentially think can maybe be even a small contributor to your team down the road. But that's exactly how I was looking into it. Also in these NFL like league rules that were mandated this past week, there is now on starting on September 6th, Unlimited players can return from injured reserve after three weeks. There were a bunch of guys last season that went down to IR and they couldn't come back. But now after week three, after three weeks, those guys can return. So there's not a limit to how many of those guys can be put on this injured reserve and then can be brought back eventually throughout the course of a season, which I think is huge for all the teams really. But I think really this season you're probably going to see more injuries than – seasons past just because there hasn't been as much of this practice time and obviously everything's condensed and accelerated at the same time so it's nice that the NFL is taking these small little steps like raising the practice squad amount bringing back guys off the injured reserve after three weeks just so they can have enough people really playing this game as the season kind of plays out yeah no that's what I was thinking about too when it comes to this practice squad uh, as well as the injury reserve you're going to see more guys hit injury reserve now. If someone, you have, maybe you just pulled your hamstring and it's going to take you a month. They're going to put you on IR because you can come back once you're fully healed now. you don't. It's not as permanent as a designation as it was in the past because IR used to be almost like, you know, like a, a scarlet letter of the, the X. Like, don't touch this player, you're done. You're shutting you down for the year. They changed that so you can allow a couple players come back after a decent amount of weeks. But now it's a way to protect your roster. You can put someone on there. You open up a roster spot. You can elevate someone from your practice squad. And then once that starter is healthy, 
Heck, I mean, you can even put him on your practice squad if you needed to, apparently now. But you can always put your practice squad player back, protect him, and then put your guy on IR back onto your active roster. So I think you're going to see a lot more roster moves. And the Bears are always one of the teams that tend to make the most uh, in terms of moving guys from their practice squad to the roster and vice versa. And I think now with this extra unlimited players from injury reserved after three weeks, you're going to see a lot of it. Guys hitting IR, guys coming off of IR. And it just allows, like you said, Nick, uh, teams to be more flexible, having more players on this roster because in the past, you kind of have to eat that roster spot if you don't put a guy in IR. Like if you're going to wait for him to return in six weeks and you don't want to put him on IR, he's going to hold that spot and he can't elevate a guy to take his place. You're just down a player. But with COVID being down a player, could be pretty detrimental. But looking forward from 20, say 2021, and God forbid we're not past this thing yet, but if, say, we are and things are doing great, do you see these rules maybe trickling into the future of the NFL, allowing teams to be more flexible with their practice squad, being more flexible with these roster moves with IR? Because to me, I think they're just opening the gate, and it's going to be hard to kind of go backward from here because I think it will be more strategic how you can use these players and, again, help these teams really have the best rosters possible on game day, which is what everyone wants. Yeah, I think especially if the coaches, the teams like these new rules and it's something that they want to have mandated and kept for, you know, seasons past when COVID hopefully is something, a thing in the past, it would be hard to just kind of take this away, especially if everyone thinks this is a good idea. So yeah, I do see this being as something that stays here is mandated into just the NFL league rules. And again, it allows more guys opportunities to be on a team for a little bit longer because guys on the practice squad, they get a paycheck too. They get, they obviously it's not as much as being um, on the team or anything of that, that nature, but they do get a paycheck. It allows these guys like a little farm system to develop under a, what is an NFL team. And I think that is the best way to keep these guys, these younger guys, especially in the league. Cause look, it's not, NFL players don't have a long career. We really, really don't mm-hmm. with all the injuries and everything going on. But this allows a lot of these guys' dreams to continue if they could just stay on a team, continue to develop, and eventually, hopefully, make a roster. Absolutely. Before we move on, are there any players in your mind as it sits today, again, we're just entering the second week of August, that maybe you didn't have on the practice squad when we went through our positional preview episodes that maybe now, especially because you can protect up to four, make it. I think a Darnell Mooney, to me, makes a lot of sense. Uh, just with Ted Ginn Jr. here, Mooney, you can protect him because the big issue was how are you going to protect that fifth-round pick because someone's going to take him. But now that you can literally put a lock pad on him and you have Ted Ginn Jr. here, and we already, we'll talk about what the coaches said. They're talking about the rookie still behind the eight ball, still having to warm up. It's going to be hard for them to really insert themselves in both offense and defense. I think a Mooney makes a lot of sense just to warm him up. There's no pressure. And again, you're not going to risk losing him if he's one of your four guys. So for me, that may be a way to sneak him on and then also keep, maybe you do keep a Riley Ridley for a while. Someone that was also on that bubble just due to us trying to figure out how to make the 53. You know what? I think with that, so it says like Tuesday they're protected. I wonder, so if they get put on that practice squad, what, maybe members each Tuesday, right? Protect up the four practice squad members each Tuesday. I wonder with that, though, like, could a team like, hey, we want Darnell Mooney on Monday? He's not protected by Tuesday? Take him out or something of that nature. I don't know the exact details, I guess, how that exactly works. But I think, I think now it gives... 
It might. It might be weird. Maybe. But I think it gives, like you were just saying, options. And that's what there's an, another option or something for a coach to think about as to who they want to put on there and knowing that they can at least have a little security blanket of not losing that guy when it's on Tuesdays, I guess. But, yeah, I don't know exactly what the what the details are, but it's just another option, another thing for coaches, these teams to really think about. We'll definitely keep tabs on how this interferes, not interferes, impacts the season for sure. I mean, it could interfere, uh, depending if someone gets could, poached. Yeah. Uh, but we'll, we'll definitely keep tabs on these changes, I think, definitely throughout the season uh, as we see players across the league uh, get elevated to and from IR, as well as these practice squads. Really interesting stuff here that the NFL made, but makes a lot of sense to give front offices and just teams in general this kind of flexibility I mean, again, more more bodies just because you never know if a rash of outbreak will hit a certain team and they're going to need to fill in some spots here quickly in a matter of a week uh, in order to get ready for a game. It's, it's all it's all just odd when you start to think about it. But all right, Nick, are you ready to move on over to some Bears specific talking points? Yeah, let's do it. Let me sip my coffee first. Hold on. <laughs> there you go. Need that morning coffee. I actually had coffee, too, Will. How do you have your coffee today? Um, it's very bland and I put like one cup of sugar or one little packet of, yeah, one cup of sugar, one packet of sugar <laughs> in there, but say, yeah, I, I'd be jumping up off my seat right now if I had a whole cup of sugar in there, but yeah, it's really bland. I just kind of, honestly, when I drink coffee, I do it for the caffeine. There's, if it tastes bad, it's whatever for me, but how do you, how do you do it? Uh, just a little bit of half and half in there. No sugar. So just a little bit of cream. Simple. Good stuff. Uh, absolutely. I, I would recommend it. 10 out of 10 would recommend. But yeah, there's also, I know you like your energy drinks. I found this one natural one uh, called You're Kicking a Can, uh, which reminds <laughs> me of a song from like Saturday Night Live with Justin Timberlake about another thing and another object. But it's your kicking a can. <laughs> but every time I see it, it's always, that's what I have in my head. But that stuff works. It's really good. It has some like nootropics in it. It's more natural, but been taking that before I'm heading over to practice and I'm like full bore energy as I'm going through with these kids throughout the week. But that's an aside. Coffee's great too. <laughs> All right. So now that we're taking our quick aside, let's jump back in. Let's talk about Matt Nagy uh, with his interviews this week. Uh, obviously, uh, he talked a lot about uh, just taking care of the players and their families. And I think that the players understand that. He was speaking to a lot of family members. Uh, you know, husbands and wives, brothers, just people in general around the building, players, families, and just understanding, you know, we got to treat the situation and we need to make sure that everyone's being as safe as possible. The NFL did as well. We kind of glanced over it, but added a lot of disciplinary rules for players who do violate some new rules about COVID related activities, like going in public, going to bars, going to clubs. And obviously they're just trying to keep this NFL bubble um, as protected as possible. But when it comes to just COVID in general and Matt Nagy, and I know you big mask guy is wearing one as he was stepping up there for that Zoom meeting. Is there anything that you wanted to mention specifically about that? Yeah, so I think what's really important for us, for the NFL, just to remember, like, it's not just about the players. And it's really about, okay, these families are very much involved as much as these players are for this specific season, because that's why you have certain players opting out. They just want to make sure that their families are safe. And I think what credit to the bears and how they've just handled everything and what Matt Nagy kind of relayed to these families, to the bears uh, players families is that we have a plan in place. That's been, that's been, I think the very common thing between all the coaches, all of us, the assistant coach, there's a plan in place to deal with this pandemic 
And that's why the player, there was only two Bears players that opted out. A lot of these guys really feel that what the Bears are doing, they feel like they could be safe while while going, trying to go through a season. We'll see if it even happens. But I think that's a big thing that Matt Nagy was able to reassure all these these family members that they can handle this. They know what to do, and they're going to learn as they go on. So I think that's what we also just got to remember that. And Danny Trevathan kind of talked about it, and we'll definitely talk about him in a little bit, but that he can be reassured that when you go onto that football field, you can kind of go back home knowing that you didn't contract anything, that you're not spreading anything, that everything that was being taken that was taking place at Hallis Hall, at the football field, the weight room, it was done in a safe and, and sanitized manner to where then when you go home, you are still safe and that your family's not going to be affected. But credit to the Bears for just creating that environment. Such a short turnaround, right? They did, I think, a fantastic job of just creating that kind of environment for their players. Yeah, they're not doing an official bubble. They're not going to have personnel and people's, you know, quarantining themselves away from their families uh, in hotels or apartment buildings or anything like that. They mentioned that Hallis Hall is going to be their bubble for the reasons that you just mentioned, but they are going to stay open and whatever the players think needs to be done or how they can keep things safe, perhaps make things even more safe in the future. uh, They're going to take all that input and they're going to be flexible because that's really what you need to be right now. But is there anything else um, in terms of just, uh, what Matt Nagy said about COVID, the Bears bubble, their precautions, because I, I do want to talk football. I'm excited about talking football, and obviously this is just going to be a part of it this year. Just with everything that's going on in the world, we have to talk about it. Uh, we have to, It's going to just be a part of the equation each and every week. Hopefully it's not a talking point each and every week, but it's just going to be known. It's going to be a thing. But is there anything else on COVID-specific stuff, or is it time to actually talk like football and talk about some of these players that showed up in some pretty damn good shape? Yeah, I think that's that. We should segue right into that, Will, because Matt Nagy made that apparent. So let's go right into it. Yeah, I mean the top two. I mean he mentioned was Cordero Patterson, and I think for me more importantly is Akeem Hicks because we all know Akeem was coming off that injury, uh, and he was working hard all off season. Matt Nagy said, you know, he's been seeing Akeem now for three different training camps, and he's been very good. Akeem is a consummate professional. He always shows up to camp in shape, but this is the best one, and for Akeem Hicks, who's He's getting a little bit older. He needs to take care of himself a little bit more than maybe in years past. Coming off that injury, it's glad, I'm glad to hear he's in the best shape that he's been entering camp because it just shows that he's still ready, he's still hungry, and he has a lot of unfinished business himself. Um, and I know Nagy said he can talk about all the guys that came in great shape, and he'd be talking for quite a long time, which, again, Coach Speak, you're going to hear it at this time too. But what was your thoughts when you heard – about Patterson, and more importantly, I think for me, Akeem Hicks showing up in tremendous shape. Yeah, I think that was the big one, Will, just hearing that Akeem Hicks looks healthy, has been, or this could be the best shape he's ever been in in the three years that Matt Nagy's been with him now going into four. That, I think, is their, that's the most important one. Or three years, sorry. Um, that's the most important one because of the significance that Akeem Hicks has on that defense and the we know what kind of player he is and if he's coming into camp in healthy shape and with everything going the restrictions that he had it just shows a dedication we know this guy loves he absolutely loves football I mean, there's no question about it but seeing that he was able to take the right i i guess precautions but also the right dedicated just work ethic to get into that playing shape it says a lot about Akeem Hicks what he wants to do this season and how much again that he loves football 
Agreed. Let's uh, move from Akeem Hicks' voice defensive line to something Matt Nagy said about the offensive line, and that's that right guard competition. You mentioned two names. We had three in our kind of realm of possibilities when we were talking about the offensive line. We had uh, Jermaine Fetty, Rashad Coward, and Alex Bars. And I think out of the three, Rashad Coward was probably third. I mean, he played there last year. He did okay, but it was new to him, and we know he's a raw talent, but he mentioned Nagy did that this is a competition with a guy who has a lot of experience that we know with a Jermaine Fetty and Coward who doesn't have a lot. How much are you buying into those two being in a true competition? Maybe they are. I just have a hard time thinking Fetty can lose this job to Rashad Coward, who Rashad Coward transferred over from defensive tackle to right tackle. Last year had to get thrown in a right guard after Kyle Long got injured, never played there, which, again, he did a really good job for someone who's never played the position, especially at the pro level. I just have a hard time thinking that Rashad Coward would be the better option. As much as I've been praising Coward over the years, I'm still proud of the transition and the growth we've seen. I just don't see him being a better option over Fetty, who has over 45 games started. Yeah, he has his ups and his downs as well, but I don't think that, well, I think the experience is going to weigh a little bit more here in the end uh how about you though because for me i'm having a hard time buying this as a true competition through and through i just think it's something that they're trying to present to the media right now my personal opinion curious of yours yeah so i think well just who matt Nagy mentioned Afedi and coward i think it is really between those guys but as i think training camp kind of plays out here Afedi will take and run with this competition this quote-unquote competition um, I think that experience will weigh heavily in what these two players are going to be able to do and like I said earlier this condensed but accelerated training camp you're just going to want the more experienced player to really start off this season and I think Effetti just is a better player he's now obviously transitioning from that right tackle to right guard which he played with the Seahawks and he has experience playing that right guard position as well did in college so I think Effetti is a better player, and maybe Matt Nagy does think this is a competition. Look, he always says there's competition at every position. I, I'm pretty sure True. he always says something like that. But I think it will be like you will. I just think Effetti will will be the guy when it comes week one. But it, it, I don't think it's I don't think it's really noteworthy that he didn't mention Alex Bars. I didn't really see him competing for the starting right right guard position. I think he'll definitely get reps there and get familiar with the position and you know, God forbid they have to go to a third right guard. He would be that guy, but it is, I think accurate to say that it is between these two guys, but a should win it. Yeah. And if he doesn't, that's a huge red flag for a I would think so. Uh, just because if he can't beat out someone who has only like eight games of experience at the position or so after being a starter for the last four years in Seattle for that line, it, I would have a lot of concern about Fetty even being on the roster, uh, even as a backup, if that really was the case. But um, I know this week too, Nick, uh, was the Phase 2 ramp-up. I don't know if there's a lot to even talk about. It's just rookies got to go through a little bit quicker. They're ramping up to physical activity, but it's still almost to me, it sounds like, at least looking at it, the same as last week, but we're moving a little bit quicker. Is that what you have? Because I can't see anything that looks different. Yeah, so they're not allowed to practice against the defense yet. The rookie, the offense, rookies, defense, rookies as well. But yeah, it just is an accelerated walk through, walk on air, but at a faster pace. And 
look, they're going to have to be going at a much faster pace as the weeks go on because it's getting closer and closer to that week one matchup against the Detroit Lions. But, yeah, that's all it is, Will, just trying to speed things up a little bit because, obviously, you have to play fast when you're playing when you're playing football, especially once the snap happens. If any hesitation, you're already out of the play. So I think this is just a way for the guys to get maybe acclimated a little bit better, better to, like, the speed of the game. But they're not in pads. They're not playing really against a defense. It is on air. So you can only take so much from that. But I'm glad they're doing it. I mean, look, they have to be doing it at some point. So let's kind of quick up this this process, hopefully get to the pads and get to actually practicing against the defense. Yeah, it's one of those, like, it's not really that exciting to hear or to see. But at least it's progress. And we're yeah. one step closer to getting Back to football, uh, which is exciting in its own right. Anything else from Matt Nagy that you want to make sure we discuss, Nick? You know, the only last thing that I kind of want to mention from a Zoom interview is the culture. Uh, one of the reporters asked about the culture and how that kind of helps with this COVID situation. And Matt Nagy was saying that this has been such a tight-knit group over the last two seasons. And once this pandemic hit, it's only made everybody come socially distant closer if that even made sense if, if you know what i'm trying to say they became closer as a team but obviously you're practicing social distancing like he was just referencing wherever he was at he was able to see players just kind of eating in the lunch or wherever it was at but and he said don't worry they were practicing social distancing but they were just kind of coming together as a team and i think that's why a lot of these players have bought into what the bears are doing in terms of going back to the covid how they're handling it it's because of that organization, how tight-knit they are, and just the kind of culture they do have in that Bears locker room at Hallis Hall, the Bears organization in general. So um, I think when you have something like that, which the Bears definitely do, it does help to deal with these kind of times. And the Bears had a very rough 2019 season, but they never broke. They never had you know crazy allegations of guys just lashing out or anything like that. They stuck together, and in this pandemic that's exactly what you need. you need to stick together socially distance of course but that's the last thing I kind of want to mention about Matt Nagy how he has his team and just kind of the mindset that these guys kind of have oh yeah absolutely as well and I think it was uh due to do wasn't it Chris Tabor as well this week that talked about Matt Nagy's positivity uh last year even during some of the difficult stretches that the team had being a glue that did help this team stay together. It was something that the team kind of latched onto is that overall just positivity despite things not really going their way. I think that was Tabor, correct? Yeah, does that mean we segue to Chris Tabor's interview right now because we're talking about him? Uh, we can. Yeah, we can talk some special teams. We can go third phase real quick. Obviously, this one may not be nearly as long as Matt Nagy, but he did talk about that positivity. And uh, I know he referenced Darnell Mooney, Ted Ginn Jr. in your turn game. Didn't really say, hey, they're going to be returning kicks, returning punts, but they have experience and they're exciting talents to have here on this roster. And on top of that, too, I know he had some updates about Eddie Pinheiro, and I just figured, how about you just take that? Yeah, so with Eddie Pinheiro just saying that the ball is jumping off his foot really well, so that's something that obviously you want to hear about, and maybe that's Coach Speak saying he's talking about and talking up Eddie Pinheiro, but he also has put on some weight while decreasing some body fat. Again, these players, exactly what Matt Nagy was saying, these players have come into camp in shape. That even includes the kicker, you guys. So it's good to hear those things. Um, Chris Tabor was also talking about 
some guys that he expects to step up this season and guys that were specifically mentioned, or I think one of the reporters asked about Joel E.A. Buniwe and Josh Woods and Chris Tabor said, I need those guys to step up into the roles that were vacated by Nick Kwiatkowski and Kevin Pierre-Lewis. And Chris Tabor went on to say, I have high expectations for those two players. So look, those guys right now at their point in their careers are special teamers, but we, we know that given the lack of depth at the linebacker position, they also got to do a little bit more, but they're huge guys for Chris Tabor's unit. And I think Joel Buniwe was a really good special teamer last year. So just needs to continue that trend. Chris Tabor thinks really highly of them. And that and you need those kind of guys. Like we were talking about a DeAndre Houston Carson earlier. You need those special teamers that just make plays on, on the third phase. Yeah. And on top of that, too, uh, Chris Tabor is mentioning uh, he's kind of looking at what he did during that lockout year back when he was with the Cleveland Browns as he's looking towards getting his special teams unit ramped up here uh, throughout the Bears training camp. But since he's a third year here, he knows the core group of guys. And he mentioned uh, he had a call and the players were executing it well. Again, it's on air. Again, it's just walkthroughs, but at least they're able to go in. And it's like nothing's different. It's more like, hey, we didn't have a whole offseason. I haven't seen you since last year. But look, it's like we're just here in the building and we're not really starting back from square one. We can kind of pick up where we left off. Uh, which is a situation every team's in. Obviously, you hope to build probably a little bit more in the offseason than what they've been able to do, but at least we're not going backwards, which is at least positive to me. Anything else about Chris Tabor and his media time this week that you wanted to make sure we hit on? It seems like we were able to do a pretty decent job of going over the, the grand scheme of things here. Yeah, just one quick last note. He looks out, He looks back to his year in Cleveland, the year that they had the lockout, to kind of help with this COVID-19 situation. Again, not nearly the same situation scenario, but he looks at what the limited time that they had with the players to kind of help out to make this this now current situation work efficiently. So he looks back to that, that time to kind of help him out. But other than that, well, I think we had a pretty good wrap-up of what Chris Tabor was talking about in his Zoom meeting. I, I may have already mentioned that part, Nick, but it's okay. Just saying. Just going to reinforce that. that there you um, go. Reinforce there. it all you want. You want to go offense or defense next? You get to choose. Heads or tails? I'm going heads. I don't know what that means. We'll go offense because that's I what thought I'm you, I at. thought you had it. <laughs> I don't have a coin. I wish I had that Google Assistant in here. I could say, hey, flip me a coin, and it would tell me. But I do it's not. The Robert Quinn coin situation again. So was it heads? Was it tails? You don't know. But let's, let's go with Bill Lazor. Uh, I think the big one here is that quarterback competition. Obviously, they're going to be very, uh, you mentioned, we're all focusing on the details. The quarterbacks have to, and when we're evaluating them, uh, we need to do the same thing. But just overall, both players, Trubisky, Foles, ready to go every single day. Uh, and They're just impressed by what they're seeing. Again, I think this is a lot of coach speak. This is exactly what I expected Bill Lazor to say. They expect him to say, you know what? Nick Foles sucks. I don't know why we brought him in. <laughs> Didn't really think that was going to be uh, what – he said, so he's doing everything that I thought. But one thing he mentioned that I wanted to at least discuss, though, is Mitchell Trubisky with the great recall that he's showing, uh, which I know Laser said is critical for a quarterback. And the quote here uh, is like, you know, when we are talking about installing a play, Trubisky can talk about it when it was put in and why it was put in, what the situations were, even what happened. And one of the keys when a quarterback hears a play in the huddle, and there's got to be a recall, and the recall has to be not only what is in this play, but the reason 
why the best quarterbacks in the league are typically older quarterbacks is their ability to recall and just the library of experiences that they have uh, playing on that play so they get to a point where it's hard to, for them to fool anymore uh, just because they have seen all the defenses and Mitch has shown me, a.k.a. Laser, that he has the ability to have that recall. Now, that sounds great, but I'm going to take this right back where we talked about last Saturday morning. This is just assignments. This is just homework. And this is great that he's passing his homework again, but these are just walkthroughs. These are just meetings. It is not a game situation, which is that test. Uh, so when I was hearing this this week, that's exactly I was like, you know, they're, they're talking about exactly what Nick and I were mentioning about Trubisky can do his homework. He can pass the assignments. But when it comes to the test time, Sunday afternoon, 12 p.m., anyone besides the Detroit Lions, can he execute? Is that where your thought was here as you're listening to this? Because I love hearing this. But I'm going to take a pause until I see it happen on a game day because they're two totally different animals. Yeah, so like like you, Will, I love hearing this about Mitchell Trubisky, that he can recall what exactly is being asked of him, why the play is being asked, the situation, all those things. That's great. That's what you want to hear. You don't, definitely don't want to hear the exact opposite. But it's it's on a game setting, game scenario, where a edge rusher is coming at you and the defense is all keying on you. Where is that recall? We want to see that recall actually happen to where you actually remember where to go with the you know the ball. Why are you calling this play on this specific down? And where's the hole in the defense? It's a lot different. Like, and you have a great analogy there with the test taking. I that's that's the thing. You want to hear these things now, but we have to actually see it. That's the that's the more important part. If he wasn't getting it now, the recall, then, you know, just name Nick Foles the starter right now. Yes. But at least we're seeing it in camp. We'll see what happens when they actually put on the full pads. Obviously, you can't hit the the quarterback, so it's not going to help him there. But we just got to see it against the Lions week one and throughout the season for me to actually put some real weight to this quote and what Bill Lazor's, you know, essentially saying here. Yeah, that's exactly it. We just have to see it in the moments in which it matters you can be the best practice player ever but if you can't translate that into a game when the pressure is on literally and figuratively and you can't execute your brain just stops then we have bigger problems and you're not going to be an answer but fingers crossed it all works out actually our graphic designer Jordan Grimes he was working on a project and came across the graphic he made for Trubisky's debut game on Monday Night Football then I did that mini pod about I've been waiting my whole life to have a quarterback of this caliber, a top three pick or you know a top pick, the top quarterback in the draft class, starting for my Chicago Bears. I can't wait to see how it all works out. And I was like, man, I wish I felt that way today for like building on top of that. But fingers crossed, man. But other than that, when it came when it comes to this competition, is there anything else? I know they're talking about creating a atmosphere and practice that is as game situational as possible. I don't know how you do that right now. I think that's something you work toward. Um, but anything else you wanted to mention on the QB competition from the mouth of Bill Lazor? No, I think just, again, the detail that's going to go into every single day of how they're going to evaluate these guys. Um, and that's been echoed just throughout all the Bears coaches. But specifically with Lazor, I think that's what he kind of wanted to harp on. Again, he likes Mitch Trubisky. He sees it in the classroom. 
it really just has to come on the field where we see where he's actually at. I did want to transition real quick here, Will, to what he said about the run game, Bill Lazor. Yeah, hold on, I liked hold on. His... Pause, Nikki. <laughs> just, one more thing on the quarterbacks. There's one quote that I had, and I want to make sure we hit on it because I don't know if it's already just putting a little scapegoat out or just a little bit aside, but talking about, you know, you hope that the competition at quarterback has a clear winner, but sometimes it's not always going to be clear. I don't know if that's already putting a little like seed in our mind of, hey, if we pick a guy and he fails, I told you back in August, it may not be clear. We could choose wrong here. So I thought that was an interesting one to at least mention so early. You know what? I kind of took that as maybe they just don't even know at this point okay. who they're, who's actually going to win this competition. That's how I kind of interpreted what was being said because when you actually think about all these coaches, right, Bill Lazor might be the most objective in actually evaluating these guys because he's the furthest removed from being with either – he's never been with Mitch until this year. And Nick Foles was, what, back in 2013? So if you look at all the other coaches, even John Filippo, he was just with Nick Foles last year. Matt Nagy, Dave Ragone, they've been with Mitch for some time now. But with Bill Lazor – in 2013 is a long time ago from being with the first time he was with Nick Foles. He might have the most objective kind of outlook on who can actually win this competition and actually just evaluate what they're doing here and not use prior experiences or kind of that, um, you know, maybe has some favoritism towards, maybe there's a little bit towards Nick Foles because he's worked with him, but it's been, you know, the furthest removed from any of the other guys. Right. So maybe, that's why he doesn't know. And that that's how I kind of interpreted that quote, that come week one, maybe it happens a couple days before it. Hopefully we know before that, though, that it could be either one of these guys to actually win the competition. Okay. Well, two ways you can interpret something. And, again, I hope you're more in line to what, was, uh, what he was trying to get across and where I took it. Um, but we'll go ahead and transition to what you wanted to talk about, which is that Bears run game. Yeah, so I think with Bill Lazor, um, he said like the critical part of executing a run play is making sure that everyone is on the same page, has that same kind of philosophy in how you teach the certain blocking schemes, what everybody, what's the terminology being used throughout the coaching staff? Because it's going to be Bill Lazor, it's going to be Juan Castillo, it's going to be Matt Nagy, everyone's teaching the same thing. But I think what's important here, is that obviously you got to have the same vision, same philosophy in executing a play, executing the run the run game in, in general, but you also got to know who your players are, what are their strengths, and how can you adjust to those players' strengths to execute this vision, this philosophy that you have. You can have a certain philosophy, like Bill Lazor was kind of saying, but you may need to adjust according to who your players are, and I think that's important when trying to figure out this Bears rushing attack because maybe, look, the Bears like to run a lot of inside-outside zone and not to say that they should get away with it because I think that is where a lot of their strengths rely on, but maybe you need to implement other, maybe some more power, some more other, you know, just other running concepts to kind of get the best out of it. Yeah, no, that's really, really wise. It's what I'm actually going through with my middle school team right now. Just kind of throwing the parallels because I'm installing power as well as some inside zone and just looking at some of the offensive alignment, I'm trying to figure out, okay, which ones are agile, which ones can pull, which ones can get to the second level a little bit quicker, and really which ones have the best mind as I'm looking for my center to get everyone on the same page pre-snap to make sure we do know our assignments. And I think you had some good points there too. 
I would hope everyone in the building, at least in terms of coaches, has the same philosophy at this point. If you have some total different philosophies of how you want to coach specific blocks, whether they're drive block blocks, solo blocks, you know, things like that. If they're teaching different things than what the maybe the head guy like a laser wants, that may be an issue because he can see a play in his head. But if they're blocking just a little bit differently, even if you're just pushing the defensive tackle at a slightly different angle, it can close the gap or it can make the gap smaller than perhaps envisioned. So I definitely think you hit on some good points there, Nick. Um, I know he mentioned uh, laser did both tight ends, Jimmy Graham, as well as Cole Komet uh, talking about Graham. Uh, we've heard this one already from the bears front office, but just the production that Graham has had over the years is a big reason why the bears had high interest in him. They wanted a tight end who has experience as well as production. And I think we all know we want production out of this position, but he also talked about Cole Komet. And again, rookies, we talked about it. They're just barely going full speed on air. They can't practice against anyone really yet in terms of a defense, but overall pretty happy. Anything, you want to give fans and listeners a little bit more insight about what Laser had to say about Cole Komet? Yeah, again, that he's on the right track right now. Everything that they're seeing from just these walkthroughs, these ramped up periods as well, that he's moving well. He's passing that eye test, and he's also passing the quizzes that Clancy Barone is giving to him right now, tight ends coach. So, again, that's what you want to hear, and it's good that Cole Komet is you know passing these quote-unquote tests here. But he also said there's just a bunch of unknowns and that we'll have to wait and see what really happens maybe two, three years down the road. And I think that's that's accurate as well. Like I remember going back and just looking at Cole Komet's stats from Notre Dame. He had that one good season, his junior season, right? Other than that, it wasn't very productive. But so I think, and he's got all the talent in the world, I believe, the size and just the route running ability. He has the frame to block to become a good blocker. But it's going to take time, and we know how much time it takes for tight ends to really adjust and contribute in year one. But I think Bill Lazor just took an honest approach to it, but he sees it. He's starting to see it, and I think when pads come on, we'll start to see a little bit more of Cole Komet and what he can really do. Absolutely. I totally agree. Anything else about Bill Lazor? Do you want to move on to tails, which apparently means defense? Let's move on to tails and the defense. All right, let's talk about Chuck Pagano and... Honestly, Nick, I do think we need to start with something that perked my ears up the most this week. What is uh, our second draft pick this year, Jalen Johnson, uh, being a little bit more limited just due to his shoulder? Are you concerned by that? Because I thought he was going to be full go. Uh, That was my understanding. He should be able to come in, uh, be 100% without any restrictions or limitations. But to hear he's limited on top of what already is a limited practice, because, again, no pads. No, well, he is the defense, so no offense. They're not doing anything real yet, and he's already limited with that shoulder. I'm already getting slightly concerned, and I was the one trying to get you not concerned about that shoulder from the get-go, and now here I am listening to Chuck Pagano, hearing that Jalen Johnson's been a little bit limited, and now I have a little bit of uneasiness in my stomach as we kind of embark on this new journey here in 2020. All right, let me see if I can maybe ease those um, those – I don't know, those butterflies in your stomach there. There you go, Will. Those concerns. I think limited, obviously, look, he did mention the shoulder. That's why he's been a little bit limited. But you just got to take these things slowly, especially now that these guys are just getting into football stuff. They miss these OTAs, what they would typically have gone through. So they're just easing Jalen Johnson into this situation. I think it does, you know, unfortunately impact maybe – 
week one starting status. And look, if he's being limited, if he's not a full, full go, he's maybe not likely to be that starter. And a lot of these coaches, even Pagano, they've talked about, like, this is going to be a competition at this cornerback spot. That's, that was said by Matt Nagy. That was said by Ryan Pace, Chuck Pagano. Like, these guys have talked about it. Like, it's not just, oh, Jalen Johnson, he was a 50th overall pick. You're going to start having being limited now. And now that there's there's Kevin Tolliver, there's other guys, Artie Burns that are in the building, it could maybe be that Jalen Johnson isn't that week one starter, but that doesn't mean he's not going to take the job as soon as that game's over with and become that long, that you know the season long starter. But I'm not too too concerned with being limited in a ramped up training camp yet. I want to see like once the pads come on, I think it's August 17th. Is he still? He's probably still going to be limited, but is he at least practicing? Is he hitting? I think that's a good indication of where Jalen Johnson is health-wise and where we can go from there. I'm not too concerned about it right now. We don't really know exactly what they're doing, but you don't, I guess you don't want to hear it, right? You don't want to hear he's limited. But I, I'm not too concerned about where he's going to be maybe come week two of the NFL season. Okay. See, for me, obviously, we want this to work out for the long haul. We don't want to rush him, and we don't want that to impact his longevity here in Chicago, so I get that. It is 2020, and it is instant gratification culture now. And I mean, I yeah. would love to have him starting week one. Uh, if it's something that needs to ramp up, I can live with it. Uh, but it better just be health reasons only. I do think he's the most naturally talented corner that we have here as this option. Uh, and I do think for the Bears' best-case scenario, you do have him starting sooner rather than later, but only if he's ready. And I guess since he was coming off the shoulder surgery – this was the first time he was in the building in Hallis Hall the last couple of weeks, all off season. So now they're getting their first look at him. They're doing their own evaluations. So I would rather be safe than sorry, but I'm hoping that's just them being ultra cautious. Instead of him coming in, they do an evaluation and they're like, you know, you're not as far along as you said you were, or that you're, you know, your own PT said you were, and we're going to have to get you caught up here a little bit more in house. That's where I would be a little bit more concerned if he was behind on his rehab compared to what the Bears were expecting him to be. Other than that, yeah, if, they're just, if they're just being cautious, that's fine. But can you just say that? Can you just say, hey, we're going to be cautious <laughs> with Jalen Johnson? So that way I don't have to try to read between the lines here. But I know a lot of fans were curious about what's going on with Jalen Johnson. Because, I mean, that shoulder has been a talking point all offseason. And just to hear limited out of the gate is a little concerning. Uh, but also, like you said, Nick, Maybe no reason to be concerned just yet. Let's just be a little bit more patient when it comes to Johnson. But heard some really good things about him. He's smart. He knows how to ask the right questions. We talked. We knew this. We talked about. We talked to his defensive coaches throughout this offseason as well. We heard all these things from the people he was around in Utah. And now that it's coming here to Chicago, and we're hearing the same things, I think they know who they got in Jalen Johnson. And he's a great student of the game. He's super smart. I'm excited to see, even if he's limited now on the field. If he's still fully engaged mentally, that's going to really help him still throughout his progression. Maybe he's a little bit more behind in this competition, but still uh, he should be on a decent track. Not Maybe not the right track, maybe not the track I was hoping for, but he's still working his way forward, which is good. Anything else about Jalen Johnson, Nick? Um, he also mentioned that, again, in these Zoom interviews, Chuck Pagano really wasn't able to see fully like the player physically. But he said once he saw Jalen Johnson, he's just a lot longer. Uh, again, those arm length, which is going to play you know, 
key. It's going to be key when trying to jam receivers at the line of scrimmage. He's like, just has great length. I think that'll definitely help him out once he's able to go full goes, not in this limited status, can jam receivers at the line of scrimmage or just try to break up a pass. So I think these Zoom interviews are great, no doubt about it. But you also are restricted on what you can and really can't see. And when you actually see these guys in person, you see how big and physically gifted they are. And that was just one of the things that Chuck Pagano also mentioned. Just the length from Jalen Johnson is something that he really likes. All right. Uh, let's go ahead and move from corner. I know he also talked about safety, uh, both Eddie Jackson in terms of his responsibilities, um, as well as the competition, which they're calling a, quote, great competition between Tashawn Gibson and Dion Bush. But Eddie Jackson or competition, Nick, you can go either way here, but I'll let it over to you uh, for you to kind of just give your thoughts on either or hell. I don't care both. <laughs> yeah, so I think with the Eddie Jackson thing, I want to make apparent to our listeners, I think a lot of people get so fixated on who's strong safety, who's the free safety. And Chuck Pagano was kind of asked about like where Eddie Jackson is going to be playing. And he, what Chuck Pagano says is that he can't just be playing – him at the single high position, the lone one safety in the middle of the field, because that will give away what the defense is trying to do and to and disguising their coverages. So let's try to get that out of our heads right now. Strong safety, free safety, they're interchangeable depending on what an offense kind of does. It will kind of rotate these safeties to play in a position that's still disguising the coverage because if you have Eddie Jackson, the free lone safety, every single time, you're kind of giving it away. That's what Chuck Pagano was saying. So they're not going to do that. They're going to still rotate. And you have, again, a guy that we're just going to we're gonna talk about in a few seconds here, Deshaun Gibson, who's also familiar playing that position. So I'm I'm with Chuck Pagano on this. I think, look, Eddie Jackson didn't have the takeaways or he's playing too much at the line of scrimmage or in the box. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with Eddie Jackson being a just a playmaker wherever, but – there wasn't a pass rush, so I think Eddie Jackson will get back to the numbers-wise. But now going to his competition, Will. Deion Bush has always been my guy. I know. I've seen him at Bears Fed a couple times. He's working out. He's putting in the work. They're saying this is a legit competition between Gibson and Bush to get that starting spot opposite of Eddie Jackson. Now, I still think Gibson will win this job. I really do. But I like this Deion Bush and what he's been doing and what he's done in limited I guess, reps throughout his time here in Chicago, but they're both going to get uh, snaps with the number ones, and they're going to put be put in situations where they can just get an honest eval of both these guys. So that's going to be, look, if we were able to just see training camp for a day, I that know. would be one that I would really, really be interested in watching, seeing them both get in with the number ones, who's making plays, making the right reads, coming down, maybe not making a full-on tackle, wrapping up and just getting to the ball carrier. That would be fun to watch, but I think it's going to be an interesting one. Again, I think Gibson will win the job, but I think it's a little closer than maybe some people are thinking that Gibson, day one starter, just pencil it in. I think it's a little closer than that. Yeah, well, maybe they shouldn't pen it in. Maybe they can pencil it as long as they have an eraser on hand. But, no, you hit on some good points. I don't have much further to add. Um, just like the right guard competition, I expect the veteran to win out here with the the experience in Gibson. Uh, but I do like Deion Bush getting an opportunity. I mean, he's been here now entering year five. He does – I would say he deserves at least a chance here to show what he has um, in, a, in a role here because I do think in times we've seen him – 
out of position when he's replacing Eddie Jackson instead of being a compliment to uh, Eddie Jackson. And just one other thing about playing to Jackson's strengths, I think what Pagano needs to find is that perfect balance because you do want to have Eddie Jackson playing that center field being single high, but you need to disguise it. You can't do it every damn play because, again, teams will catch on. They'll learn what you're doing, and they'll find a way to beat it. So it's it's going to be a balance of doing it enough so it's impactful, and you put Jackson in a spot where he can make plays, but not so much where it's totally predictable and offenses key in and find ways to exploit it. So that's really a it's a fun challenge for Pagano to find because it's a really good situation to be in. Like I have this all-pro safety, and how do I get him in a position to succeed, leveraging his strengths as well as understanding how offenses are trying to attack us? It's a really interesting yet I think challenging situation for Pagano that he should have a lot of fun with this season because I think he started to experiment last year a little bit and I think he'll continue to do the same but I expect good things out of this one especially with another year of those two getting to know one another uh, maybe not so much this offseason but just being around one another here for a year should help as we go ahead with the 2020 year. Uh, what else would you like to hit on? Pagano talked about a lot. I don't know if we need to hit on every single one of his points, but is there anything else that Pagano mentioned that you want to make sure that our listeners know of? You know what? Let's, I think, talk about Roquan Smith, what he ta- what he said about him um, when, again, Chuck Pagano was asked like some about players. Roquan Smith was one of the specific guys that reporters asked about. But what Pagano did, he referenced the first two plays from that Green Bay game week one and how he just blew up a run play and that was in the right uh, spot for a pass coverage play. Just, again, what Roquan Smith is capable of. But what Pagano was saying is that Roquan now has a way better understanding from a coverage standpoint, knows where he should be when he's filling lanes in the run game, and now is also in probably the best shape of his life, he said. So... I think we want look. I think a lot of people, as they should, are expecting a huge season out of Roquan Smith and Chuck Pagano. Kind of noticing these things, that's great. You want to hear all of this about a again a first round draft pick, number eight overall in 2018, missed time last season due to the pectoral injury, but he's come back in the camp like all the like almost all the players really. Again, it could be coach speak, but in great shape ready to kind of just take his game to the next level. And those are just things that you really want to hear out of your defense coordinator who's definitely going to find, I would hope, more ways to blitz Roquan Smith and Danny Trevathan this upcoming season. Great. I don't have anything else on Chuck Pagano. I mean, he talked about losing an Eddie Goldman, but just really just supporting his decision, which we talked about that in pretty great length a week ago. Um, and other than that, maybe the only other point is just that he also mentioned that the defense is here to help that quarterback competition. Uh, there's yep. going to be uh, just putting them in a good spot to evaluate these quarterbacks, make it tough for Nick Foles, make it tough for Mitchell Trubisky, and give the offensive guys uh, those opportunities to put those evaluations on both quarterbacks. So he understands that his defense is going to have a role in helping the Bears make a decision as to who's going to be the quarterback of this team. So obviously I think that's something to keep in mind as well uh, because they always mention iron sharpens iron. That's always been a saying here in Chicago since Matt Nagy's been around. Um, But specifically here, people think about the quarterback competition just being about the quarterbacks and the receivers and getting that chemistry. But really the defense that they're going up against is going to show a lot, especially a caliber defense like the Bears. 
should really help them make a really strong evaluation once they're able to get up to what phase three or four when they have pads and they can go against defense. I'm excited to see how that'll look once we get to that point. Anything you wanted to mention about the defense helping the QB competition? Yeah, I hope the defense really honestly kicks the offense's ass. I'm not gonna be I'm not gonna be um shy about that, Will, because I think that's going to get the best out of both Mitchell Trubisky and Nick Foles. If you can pass on this should be a top five defense in the NFL, you can pass on the best you can, you know, have success against some of the better defenses. Obviously the quarterbacks can't get hit, but disguise coverages, that's something that Mitch has struggled with. Let him get confused. If there's a sailed ball, a fluttering ball from Nick Foles, Eddie Jackson, who will be in this in these practices, pick him off. Like he should have had, like we were all saying, multiple, maybe multiple interceptions in that game against Philadelphia in 2018, that wild card game. Make it tough, and I know Chuck Pagano, the Bears defense, will, because that's going to make the overall team better. And again. I wish we could see that, but that would be something that I would love to watch. Yeah. All right. What a wish list we would have had this year. Out of all the years. Does a robot know you like a neighbor? Insurance Corporation will fulfill requests to cover anyone, anything, anytime, anywhere, with most standard algorithm in the order it was received. Please hold. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, Getting the insurance coverage you need always starts with a conversation. Find a Farm Bureau agent at fbfs.com slash protect. It's your future. Let's protect it. I feel like every year I feel like it has the most, but this year has a lot of really vital competitions and aspects that I wish us, as well as all the other fans, were having an opportunity to watch uh, to unfold just because it is really interesting and it's just a lot of impact on how these things can go and It'd be awesome to just drive to camp every day, just watch it in the morning. Think, and but we're not there. We get to just hear it, and we're not—they're not even there yet themselves. So we'll get there here soon. Um, but Nick, I know some other coaches talked. Oh, you got Clancy Barone, uh, John DiFilippo, as well as David Ragone. Uh, I didn't get a—I don't think anyone got to watch or hear them. I know you were checking what the Bears were saying via tweets and some other reporters via some uh, social media. Uh, so I'd be curious your thoughts on what those three coaches said, just maybe some high-level overview. And please tell me that Dave and said, yeah, we decided that we will work with Trubisky's mechanics this year instead of not, because that was the weird talking point last week. Yeah, so he didn't say anything about mechanics, but it does seem like just based off the, the reporters that tweeted who were able to talk to Dave Ragone, Clancy Barone, and John Filippo, going to Ragone specifically – it kind of seems like now being the passing game coordinator, he's not as involved with, with now the quarterbacks as he once was, obviously being the quarterbacks coach. So in when he talked about like the competition between him and Nick Foles, here's what Ragone had to say. This tweet was from Chris Emma. Uh, he said, Dave Ragone, competition will bring out the best in him. It's a good thing for this organization, for the quarterback position you'll get the best out of both people. Something that I was just saying earlier about what the defense, if they play to the, their expectations or to their level of play, high level obviously, that they're going to get the best out of you know these quarterbacks. But it just seemed like also what Ragone was saying is that he just has a lot of uh, just different responsibilities now to where he's not going to be as – he's going to contribute in the quarterback decision. I think there's a lot of people are. That's what Matt Nagy, Ryan Pace said, but he's just not as involved from a day-to-day basis as he once was from when he was a, a quarterback's coach. 
And then kind of moving the big takeaway, I guess, from Clancy Barone, there was a J.P. Holtz, um, I guess, reference. He mm. said he's just a, a yeah, no, I mean, this is uh, this is what I want to hear, Will. He said, uh, Clancy Barone says, J.P. Holtz, this is from J.J. Stankovitz from NBC Sports Chicago. J.P. Holtz is as advertised and has a lunch pail mentality. I, I think when you think of J.P. Holtz and all the position or, you know, the multiple positions he played and what he did for the Bears, that's kind of what you expect to hear, right? Um, again, a guy that will bring it every day and is, like like J.J. Stankovitz quoted, is as adver- advertised a lunch pail guy. Um, maybe that goes and plays into a factor than making the 53-man roster like I predicted, but I think that was really the big takeaway from, I guess, the J.P. Holtz discussion. That's where it ends. He also said that Cole Komet is just a lot bigger than he like expected. I'm trying to find the exact quote, but he, he kept talking about his size and just his ability to move and how that could be a factor into what the Bears want to do offensively. Great. Uh, up next, we're going to talk about two Chicago Bears inside linebackers that spoke with the media this week. But first, Nick, let's go ahead and hand out a few shout outs that we have this week, which again, I'm excited to have uh, more. Thank you so much for everyone. A pre thank you, I guess for everyone that did give a donation so we can have this segment for this episode. But Nick, I know you have the mighty list. So who do we need to give some awesome shout outs to this week? Yeah. So first I want to just say again, thank you to everybody who's donated in the past. And obviously this week for this podcast. Uh, so our first shout out goes to Jack from windy city gridiron. We love the guys at Winnie City Ground. When we were able to go to camp, we would see some of them there and just what they do covering the Bears. They do a fantastic job. But, Jack, I want to just say thank you for, for your donation. We really appreciate it. Uh, please let us know when you listen to this shout-out. And, yeah, hopefully we can do this again sometime. But, Will, do you have – I'm trying to – I have all these tabs open. But do you have the screenshots that I sent you? I know we had people that deserved a shout-out. But we're just trying to figure out, I guess, who exactly it was or from the past that we sometimes we miss just because they come through all different avenues. Do you have those screenshots by any chance? Um, I have someone, uh, Logan Franz, who I wanted us to give that uh, shout out for Spotlight Podcast, uh, which uh, he's talked about some uh, statistical oddities across all sports, but he talks mainly football. But if you're a sport nerd who loves statistics, uh, check out Spotlight Podcast from... Uh, Logan Franz, great listener of the show as well, uh, to give it a look. I mean, I'm here to give people an opportunity to share, uh, as we've mentioned, Nick, in the past, uh, some of their work, as well as if you have a business or a small business that you're trying to get word of mouth for, you can definitely help use the shout-out section for it. And then I have another one from, uh, I see on Twitter, it's CHR15GB, um, but from Birmingham, England. Uh, someone who gave us a $5 donation on PayPal, looks like. So I just want to say thank you so much to both of you for those donations. But I think those are the two screenshots you provided me that got lost in the shuffle. So I don't know how old your donations are, but better late than never. So thank you so much. Yeah, thank you guys again. And that's uh, those are the donations I got from Jack from on Venmo. But if you want to get a shout-out on the next podcast, here's how you can make that happen. Like I said, either through Venmo or PayPal, if you send us a $5 donation, $3 donation, whatever it is, 
we will give you a shout out on the next podcast. When you send us that donation, put down your name and where you're from. And Will and I will get a better sense of who is sending us these generous donations and where exactly our supporters are from. Uh, again, it's just awesome seeing the wide variety of all of our, our listeners, our subscribers, our followers. It's, it's awesome to see. So here's how you can make that donation happen. On Venmo, you look up the username, the Chicago Audible. Should see my name, the Chicago Audible logo. And then on PayPal, um, you make the donation to chicagoaudible.com slash PayPal. Again, Venmo, the username, the Chicago Audible, PayPal, chicagoaudible.com slash PayPal. Great. Yeah, thank you so much, everyone, for all the support over the last, I think we've been doing this for about two months officially now, if not maybe a little bit more. And I know it's helped. We got, like I said last week, some equipment to help your internet speed uh, be a little bit more stable. Uh, as well as still allowing you to have that microphone plugged in with your webcam plugged in. So just little things like that, as well as just the cost of covering, uh, hosting our website, hosting the show, streaming the show. Uh, There's a few different costs that happen monthly just for all those different pieces. And all your support helps because if not, it's out of pocket like it has been over the years. And obviously, if we don't have to pay out of pocket to do the show for you, it does help Nick and I. Uh, throughout our endeavors as well as we want to also improve the show looking at ways to help improve our live stream uh, making it more interactive uh, making it looking a little bit more official as well so all your support is always greatly appreciated all right next we have i think three players technically talked uh well two to the media roquan smith danny trevathan and then i know you wanted to talk about or at least hit on some of that eddie jackson nfl game pass film session so let's begin with roquan smith and I know you mentioned that he came in a little pounds heavier than he wants to be just because he wants to shed that fat off. I'm going to say fat. I don't think he said fat, but that weight off uh, to kind of trim down to get into game shape. Um, and then I know he's mentioned, hey, you know, it's not that bad wearing a mask out here. As Again, they're only doing walkthroughs. We'll see what he says when they actually go full speed here. Um, but I know he has a big chip on his shoulder. He wants to prove the doubters wrong this year. And I know he has a lot of unfinished business. Uh, just going down with that injury. And he was really getting into a groove last year when he went down to injury. He had a really tough start to his 2019 season, and he's hoping 2020 from start to finish um, is one to be remembered. What about you, Nick? What about Roquan Smith that he mentioned that you want to make sure listeners know about? Yeah, I think just with Roquan Smith, he's just eager to play the game that he loves, and that's what he said during his Zoom interview what was it, yesterday, just excited to see everyone come back and hopefully be the best version of themselves. And I think that's something that, you know, as professional athletes and maybe what we kind of associate with them, that they, they're they in it for the money. They don't really maybe care about this game as much as maybe the, the money they, that they make. But there are guys that I think really do just love playing football and they get paid for it. I think Roquan Smith does love football, and he, he echoed that. Uh, just yesterday he also feels like that he could really improve everywhere every aspect of his game can be improved and he said that just last last year that 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 was evident um whether it's in the run game the pass game or just in pass coverage he can improve in those areas and we just heard about what Chuck Pagano was saying about him it's what he also kind of puts on himself that chip on the shoulder that you mentioned Will he wants to be uh, just again one of those better linebackers inside linebackers in the league and I think it's the way that he kind of approaches it he also said that he's in the best physical and mental um, health that he's been in a while so we're looking forward to seeing hopefully the best Roquan Smith that we've seen here in Chicago just 
hearing what Pagano's saying, hearing what Smith is saying, I think I think we're ready for that. This big 2020 season, again, he has to stay healthy, and I think you said, God forbid he does, he's looking to do some big things out on the field this year. Yeah, I, I think he has all the talent in the world to do it. It's just a matter of staying healthy, staying mentally engaged, which is good to hear that he mentioned both the physical and the mental aspect of his game last year because we saw some points of that as well. So he just needs to be fully engaged, and if he does and he stays as hungry as his focus is he is right now, I think it would be hard not to get excited about the potential season that Roquan Smith can have up his sleeve here. But let's look at his counterpart, Danny Trebathan. I know that he hit on a lot of different things um, from his own concerns uh, for family reasons about COVID-19, as well as just his overall legacy, what he believes can happen here in Chicago, feeling like this team's close to the Super Bowl, which I know we heard that last year. And that's why I'm like, let's not go all the way there yet, guys. Did we learn our lesson? Can we reel it in a little bit, take it a little bit slower because last year at this time was Super Bowl this and another playoff run that. And obviously that really went back to blow up in all of our faces. But going, and he also talked about the impact of Eddie Goldman and looking at two key contributors up front that you're going to have to lean on just a little bit more. So Nick, I kind of gave you a smorgasbord of topics to hit on. Uh, You can choose any and all that you would like. Yeah, so with Danny Trevathan, some one of the reporters asked him about how he was playing last year, and just unfortunately it was cut it was cut short due to injury. But Danny Trevathan said he felt like he was just turning it up a couple notches last year, and then it just cuts cut short. So he, and again, he said the speed of the game was the the game, or he was able to diagnose things as inside linebacker position a little bit faster. He was just playing, like he said, a couple notches better than he had been and then he gets that injury against Detroit and that kind of cuts things short but again coming back into 2020 I think we're going to see a hungry Danny Trevathan he talked about this team being close to that Super Bowl and the legacy that he wants to have for himself he knows about the linebackers that have played in Chicago in the past he wants to be a part of that he really does and he's like the best way to do that is like win a Super Bowl be great actually be on the field just continue to make plays and he wants to be remembered on the name of the front of the jersey, but also on the back as well. So Danny Trevathan's always been a great leader, has been a great player when healthy. And I think not that like when he says things like this, it ha- holds more weight, but we see, we've seen the production he can have when healthy, what player, what kind of difference he makes for his defense. But I'm glad that he has such high aspirations. Now a veteran in this league, he still wants, he's already got a Super Bowl under his belt with Denver. He wants another one. He wants to be a part of that, those great Bears linebackers. He has a long way to get there, I think, because there's some high-caliber guys in that list, right? But it's great to hear that as well. And then kind of just transitioning a little bit to the COVID-19 situation, how he felt about it. He said he had a hard hard thought about this entire situation. He has a fiancé that has allergies, has asthma, and so do his kids. So it was it was a tough, you know, I think thing to think about for for Danny Trevathan, but ultimately it came down to how the Bears have handled things. Like what we've been saying earlier in this podcast, Will, the Bears have a good setup, they have plans in place, and that's why Danny Trevathan felt comfortable in playing this season despite everything else going on. No, absolutely. No, I mean, I like his aspirations. I just want to make sure we don't get too far ahead of ourselves. And But what I like it coming from a Danny Trevathan instead of like maybe like a Roquan Smith, 
Danny's been around the block. Uh, he's been in this league for quite some time. He's been to, he's won a Super Bowl, so he's seen it. I'm excited that for someone who is such a great leader on this defense, he's holding them up to a high standard, and I do believe they need to have a high standard. It's just a matter of let's, let's not count our chickens before they hatch. Let's make sure we work our way towards it, a common goal. It could be a high goal, um, but definitely good stuff there. And then on Eddie Goldman being down, uh, you know, he talked about, hey, Eddie is big for this defense. I know it's been a, a weird debate I think I saw over this last week. A lot of Bears fans are like, hey, you know, Eddie Goldman, that's going to be a tough pill to swallow. He's going to have an impact being gone. Then you have a segment saying, eh, we can live without him, no problem. Like, it's not going to impact this defense at all. I'm in the line where it's going to impact this defense. They're going to have to find a way to live without him. There's a reason why he's one of the higher-paid players up front for the Bears. He does a job, and he does it well, and they have to find someone to fill that role. But I know Trevathan himself, he said Eddie Goldman, he's huge for this defense, and they're going to be missing a key part of it. And he pointed out two players, Roy Robertson Harris and Bilal Nichols, as players that both Danny Trevathan and Roquan Smith need to adjust their game around to get used to those players up front. So when you hear that, Nick, do you feel like he's tipping the Bears' hand or like at least a decision being made of like how they're going to combat the loss of an Eddie Goldman? Because, I mean, they could find another nose tackle replacement, but hearing Bilal and Roy Robertson here specifically – makes me at least feel like they're going to just try to move one of those inside when they are in the base package. Yeah, and I mean, the thing is, too, they're really not in that base package all too much, but I think those are two likely guys that are going to have to step up their games. Yes, they're not nose tackles. Neither one of those guys are nose tackles, and John Jenkins will be that guy that essentially is the replacement for Eddie Goldman, but those are two guys that I think need to just elevate their game to where it makes the linebackers' jobs, Roquan Smith and Danny Trevathan's jobs, just easier. So, and we're expecting big things. Look, Roy Robinson Harris signed that um, restri- or that tender free agent contract, right? The, the the contract just now. Bilal Nichols last year, his season was, I think, a mix of both both good and bad because the hand injury never got going. So we need to see these guys kind of step up, and they're two different players. And the linebackers are going to have to adjust how they take on blocks, where they should position themselves to best make a tackle or play off of a Bilal Nichols or a Roy Robinson Harris. But these are the guys that I looked to right when I heard Eddie Goldman was opting out. They need to step up their game immediately. So this defense, like like I agree with you, Will, it's going to be impacted for sure. You just don't lose Eddie Goldman and say, we got better. Like that's that <laughs> no. should be the, the, the thing anybody says or thinks or thinks that it's not going to have a significant er, – an impact on them, but the Bears can adjust to it by playing maybe different personnel groupings or just having better play from Bilal Nichols, Roy Robinson, Harris. That will help deal with not having an Eddie Goldman because he is one of the better nose tackles in this league. We have to get that ingrained. Let's not underrate him like we like he's been his whole entire Bears career. He is valuable for his Bears defense. Danny Trevathan knows that they will miss him, but they will adjust. Yeah, I mean he's the guy that. He penetrates gaps. He takes on double teams. He just makes the job so much easier for the two inside linebackers. And, I mean, I have faith that the Bears will find a way, and they have some talent on this defense to, I'm going to say, mitigate the impact, but they're not going to completely come out of this thing unscathed. There's going to be times where you'll be like, you know, if we had Eddie Goldman, that play would have been a lot easier for Smith or a lot easier for Trevathan. And unfortunately, they got swallowed up by a block there because there wasn't somewhere to take that guy. So I'm right along there with you. Eddie Goldman, he's going to be missed. 
It's he's getting the most love in the show. I mean, we talk about every player. We do a great job of that. But two weeks in a row, a lot of talk about Eddie Goldman. And I don't expect it, even if he won't be in the building, I don't expect that to die uh, this season whatsoever. I think we'll definitely have this as a talking point, or at least something we always point back to. Like, well, if we had Eddie Goldman, I expect that to be a thing throughout most of the 2020 season. But from Eddie Goldman, let's transition to our final thing here in our notes, which is Eddie Jackson. Uh, earlier this week, he was on the NFL Game Pass film session. And Nick, I know you're watching that one live, doing some nice tweeting about it. I'm not going to give away the key takeaway uh, that you want to make sure people know of, which is the most important thing. They probably heard this entire episode. Um, but I know Kurt Warner was asking Jackson about, so what did Pagano do on defense, maybe a little bit differently than a Vic Fangio? And the big one was, you know, we just played a lot more man-to-man. He likes our talent. He likes the guys on this defense. And especially on third downs, it's us versus them. And good luck beating us. And I think I like that mentality. Hopefully it's not as predictable as that because Pagano even mentioned, as we talked about earlier, you don't want to be predictable with your coverages. But uh, that uh, would be an adjustment because we do know Vic Fangio did like playing a zone a little bit more. But the overall impact was minimal and about the same, I would say, on the third down for the Bears defense last year. But getting to Eddie Jackson, NFL Game Pass film session, I know he had a couple other big takeaways that you had in your notes. I want to make sure I allow you to talk about those as well. Yeah, so I think this is a fun one, I I think, but it was a it was interesting to hear uh, on that NFL Game Pass film session, Kurt Warner asked Eddie Jackson about whether or not he's ever gone, Jackson's gone up to Matt Nagy and asked about playing on offense because he has played two snaps in 2018 on offense. One was in the Buffalo Bills game and the other one, I'm blinking on exactly where it was at, but he didn't do much. It was a New York Giants game. All he did was go in motion. So Kurt Warner asked as if he's gone up to him, and Jackson was like, oh, yeah, yes, sir, most definitely. Kurt Warner is like, is it coming? And Jackson's like, it's coming. It's definitely coming. So basically what you're going to see from Ajax, he's going to line up at wide receiver multiple times, score multiple touchdowns in 2020. That's basically <laughs> what's going to happen. No, I think it was just a, a fun question to ask because he is somebody – that once he gets the ball in his hands, he could do some great things. I know earlier when he was just getting to Chicago, I wanted to see him at punt returner. He did it at Alabama. He was somebody that made plays, and you see what he can do with an interception with the ball in his hands. He takes it back to the house. So it's interesting that even those discussions are being had in the first place, right? Hey, coach, when are you going to put me on offense? You know, So something like that, I think, again, goes back to the culture of just being able to express yourself openly, but also – it would be pretty cool to see number 39 in offense. I'm not going to lie. We've seen it twice. He went basically both times he went in motion was a decoy for somebody else. Maybe give him the ball, see what he can do. He has that defensive mentality, lower his shoulder or something like that and get some yards, maybe a touchdown. Um, but the only other thing that really I took away from that, and Chuck Pagano actually talked about it too in his Zoom interview, is the amount of film that Kyle Fuller watches Jackson was asked how he learned about watching film, and it was from Kyle Fuller. Uh, Jackson said, Kyle Fuller, that was my biggest inspiration on watching film. He watches a lot of it. So I think that is exactly who Kyle Fuller is, why he's been um, maybe not a top 10 quarter. I know we had this debate earlier, Will, if Kyle Fuller's there, if he's not, but he is one of the better corners in this league, and he's good for the Bears, and credit to him watching enough film to put himself in a position to make plays. Those are some of the key takeaways that I found from watching it. But if you haven't watched it, 
NFL Game Pass film session. Eddie Jackson breaks down a bunch of different plays exactly how, how you expect an all-pro safety to kind of go about it. He details exactly why he's doing what he's doing, why the play is, and just what his assignment is. And it's cool to hear some of these Bears players go a little bit more in-depth into the X's and O's. And Eddie Jackson, he's all football all day. So definitely give that a, a watch if you haven't already. NFL Game Pass film session under the defense um, subsection there. You'll see Eddie Jackson is the most recent one. Absolutely. Definitely check that out. Really good stuff. Super insightful. Uh, if you're a Bears fan and if you haven't watched it yet, definitely do so. But Nick, is there anything else from this week that maybe we overlooked that you wanted to make sure we hit on? I Looking through our notes again, I don't see anything. And I, somehow we found another hour plus conversation about a phase two ramp up period. So kudos to us. Yes, I think uh, we hit on a lot. There was a bunch of Bears talking points. And, you know, with us not being at training camp, maybe these podcasts will be a little bit longer. We want to talk Bears football. We would be doing this on a day-to-day basis if we were at camp. So it's okay to, you know, dive in a little deeper, talk about Bears football a little bit more for our listeners, our viewers on YouTube, our subscribers, and things of that nature. But, yeah, we'll we'll see what we get in this next coming week and hopefully do this again and have a lot of talking points for the next podcast. You know what? I missed the bench that we found last year at camp that we can set up after, <sighs> after every practice. I think we did the first two in that weird building next to the parking lot in Bourbon A. And then we found this bench with a pretty good backdrop and that was a lot of fun. I know the episode uh, Ingles came on with us and the man spreading episode that ensued all the comments about <laughs> it. Uh, I was looking at that a, th- a couple nights ago and I was just laughing like just so hard, like, remembering and just seeing the one comment about the whole debacle of like you in the middle and the man spreading and it was a tough fight and you were fighting back towards the middle of the show but then you got destroyed and it was a a lot of fun but I forgot about that until just now oh my god that was hilarious yeah but then even just sitting there and seeing listeners of the show like recognize this and come up like mid-show like hey nice to meet you shaking hands I mean I miss that I miss seeing you in person as well Uh, it's been since was it since the last Bears game? No, Combine, duh. Combine, but still, yeah, it was nice. Like, this is our opportunity to hang out, watch practice, interact with fans, just do some on-field original reporting, like all that stuff. And I miss that so, so much. I miss being out in the sun and just being just different shades of brown because of, like, the line or whatever it may have been. Or when I had to... I think, yeah, where I had the, it was raining, downpouring, and I had the little Bears umbrella hat that they gave us as a little souvenir thing yep. to try to, you know, stay dry. But Perching yeah, up on top of the that. bleachers and trying to get the good vantage points for each and every practice, so finding out where they're going to be doing team drills so we get ourselves in a good spot, meeting other Bears fans that even if they don't know the show, and I don't even tell them about the show, we get to talk football, and, oh, man, there's just a lot right now that should have been happening that I wish was happening, that's not happening. But just hopping on here, I think you can tell we both miss it, uh, which yeah. hopefully we can have an in-person camp next year and we're allowed in with a limited attendance because I miss it to death. I get my Facebook memories every day, and it's just me at training camp up to like 12 years ago. So you have like high school, Will, at training camp, going all the way through like – now and you can see my excitement through the years and it hasn't wavered one bit um but it's just such a different feeling compared to it doesn't feel real yet because it's like you see zoom interviews you see them through a screen on a screen 
but you don't see them like even like on a real reporting camera yet. So it just feels not fake. I know they're there. It just doesn't feel like anything is concrete just yet. You don't get any of the the substance, which is tough, but a really good show, Nick. <laughs> yeah, it was it was good talking Bears football. I know exactly what you mean, Will. Um, I, like there are certain songs that play in my car, and I'm like, wait, I used to listen to this all the time going to Bourbon A. And I, I wouldn't be that case this year because it's obviously at House Hall, but I get those flashbacks. And I got that itch to just want to go to camp, put on some sunblock, and watch practice. Just watch a live practice because I, it's it's great. I look like like you. I've looked forward to it every single year. And yeah, hopefully next next year we we get that opportunity again. And on top of that, like I said, I miss hanging out with you and our because we only get to see each other in person ten, twelve days out of the year, maybe fifteen if we're lucky. And like it's yeah. been, it's been a half a year or so, five months, and I haven't seen you in person, and it kind of sucks. And I hopefully we can get to that that point here soon. I trust you. You've been social distancing. Let's go. Let's go out. <laughs> Let me just drive <laughs> yeah. up to Chicago. I'll see you in about six hours, and we'll have a weekend. There you go. Right, I get to meet Brady. It'll be a good time. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, I think Nick has to go. I do. I got a doctor appointment here in twenty five minutes. I got to go get to. So I appreciate everyone listening to the show. Uh, the, over the weekend on the podcast, a uh, bunch of people joining in live on a Saturday morning. I finished my cup of coffee a half hour ago. Definitely need to go refill that sucker up. And uh, we'll be back here soon. Uh, if we have big enough news to talk about before next Saturday, we'll definitely hop on them. If it's just kind of the same week, I think Nick and I are getting into this Saturday morning grind. It's a good way to catch up after a work week uh, and talk some Bears football. So, We'll see. We'll play it by ear. It's the best that we can do right now, but I appreciate everyone listening. If you want to help support the show again, uh, at the Chicago Audible on Venmo, chicagoaudible.com slash PayPal. And also, if you don't have any financial means, just tell a Bears friend that you know, uh, some family members that are also Bears fans, and just leave a show review on Apple Podcasts, and those are all equally appreciated as well. But until then, have a great rest of your weekend. If you're listening on Monday, early start of your work week. And of course... And as always, bear down, Chicago. Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com.